This is the Concealed Carry Podcast. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast. I am not your host, Riley Bowman. This is Jacob Paulson, and I am joined today by the best co-host of the Concealed Carry Podcast, Matthew Marister. <laughs> that's open for debate, but that's awesome. What's this clear is-, is the best co-hosts are here right now. Yeah, yeah. At least the best co-hosts that are in the building or in, in near a microphone. Okay. <laughs> so, guys, we are, you know, Sans Riley right now and wanted to get this uh, episode recorded and out the door and we're going to be talking about something really cool today. Now before we jump into the topic of the hour, uh, some quick sponsors. So this is what we're going to do with the sponsors today, Matthew, because we're not really totally prepared and stuff. So I'm going to put some pressure on you. What is the coolest gun thing that you acquired recently? Hmm. It's tough, right? Yeah, you know what? It could be the barrel block, or it could be this tenacore holster. I'm, I'm, I'm a toss up. Ooh, okay. So you go with tenacore holster, and I'll talk about the barrel blocks. I do love barrel block. Okay. So my coolest thing is the Velo tenacore holster. Um, the, the from from tenacore. It's for appendix inside the waistband carry. I just did a, a write up on it, but it's it's an awesome holster. It has a built in wedge. Um, so it, it really conceals the, the gun well. Um, you know, I was concealing the, the P365 for a while. I got this one for the P320, um, and I'm, it's a compact, so it's not huge, but comparatively speaking, it's, it's big and, and the gun just disappears. It's awesome. The clips are amazing. Um, so yeah, that's my, that's my, uh, new favorite toy. You guys can learn more about that at www.concealedcarry.com forward slash tenacore, which is spelled T-E-N-I-C-O-R. So concealedcarry.com forward slash T-E-N-I-C-O-R. So a lot of attention to detail on that holster, Mm -hmm. uh, just in terms of all the little tiny things that make a holster awesome, right? The way it's cut, the way you acquire grip, the way, you know, in the case of appendix, having the wedge, having the the claw, like all that stuff. It's definitely purpose built. It's not just like, you know, you, you lay a gun in a piece of kydex and vacuum form it and then attach a clip on your you know and it's a holster it's it's actually designed to work you know what i mean like in real life work conceal well keep the gun secure and and allow you to draw out of it so you can tell a lot went into just the the design of it yep agreed so barrel block today's episode is also brought to you by barrel block so barrel block is um, it's a two-part system designed by a guy named jason speller who's a, a phenomenal fireman instructor in his own right and uh, he primarily trains law enforcement officers though he's, he's getting into the civilian game too and the barrel block is designed to be a tool to allow a person to execute specific dry fire training routines without concern for safety or uh, training scars. And so it's a two-part system. And the first part is the actual you know, barrel block itself. And it's it's this you know, kind of long, skinny, narrow, stick-like looking thing that you shove into the barrel of the gun <laughs> from the breech, uh, from from the, the you know where the chamber is. And it is, it fits perfectly into the barrel because it is caliber specific. So you have, you know, you'd have a nine millimeter barrel block or a 45 barrel block. 
and it, then it sticks out, it protrude, protrudes out the muzzle uh, to, to give you a visual indicator that it's there, right? So that you're, you holding the gun and anybody else in the environment who sees that gun has a visual indicator that the barrel block is installed. And when it's installed, it's 100% inert. The, you know, no way to chamber around into into the barrel, no way to fire around. Like it's it, the gun is incapable of firing. Mm-hmm. And um, I was thinking about the other day, Matthew, and I was like, you know what? Like every gun reviewer like on YouTube should be using barrel block. Like we could eliminate all of the drama comments that guys like you and me are so sick of reading about, right. oh, you muzzled the webcam. It's like, well, that granted, like I, I suppose worst case scenario, I might shoot my computer, but it's not like I muzzled a human. Right. Um, but if you had the barrel block installed, maybe we'd eliminate all those comments once and for all. So for anyone who does any dry fire training at home, you definitely want the barrel block for that kind of safety uh part now in addition to the barrel block when you buy it it comes with three uh what they call mag blocks and it's also caliber specific so obviously if you buy a nine millimeter barrel block you get the nine millimeter mag blocks and the mag blocks go they they feed into the top of your magazine just like a round would and they basically just push down the follower of the magazine so that the slide stop can't engage so it makes it so you can like for example maybe you're practicing tap rack drills right and if i do that without the without the mag block installed when i tap rack the slide's going to stick in the rear position and it's not going to feel as realistic and then I'm not going to be able to press the trigger. But if I put in the mag block, then I can do a tap rack and press trigger and all is well. The slide stop will not engage on the follower. It'll come back into battery like normal. So now here's the crazy crap about this awesome product, this barrel block is it's freaking $12.99. <laughs> There's nothing that's like $12.99 except like on infomercials, right? Like when I found out, I was upset. I was like, dude, you should be charging more, bro. <laughs> um, and we do sell the barrel block. You can find it on our website. Uh, there's also a rifle block. So you, the barrel block, I think, is available for 380 auto, 9mm, 40 and 45. And the rifle block, which is a comparable product, is available for 223. Obviously, it's much longer. It's a bigger. That's a bigger tool. And I don't remember what it sells for. It's probably. It's still probably sub 20 bucks because, dude's insane. So anyway, there you go. Today's episode is brought to you by, the Tenacore, whatever it's called. The Velo. Velo appendix, <laughs> you know, IWB holster, and uh, by barrel block. There you have it. All right, Coolio. So let's get into today's topic, Matthew. Today we're going to talk about basically uh, hosting or staying with friends and family as a responsible gun owner. So we just came out of the holiday season. Matthew, did you, did you host anyone at your house? I did. I had a couple of my family. I always have my, you know, my parents come down, but uh, I also had my sister and her husband came over, uh, spent the night a couple nights. So yeah. yeah, I had, I had some people in the house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have for Thanksgiving weekend was my big one. I had 24 people here. Now, not all of those stayed like overnight, but I did have about 10 people who slept here. Oh, my. Um, uh, my, my daughter's baptism was Thanksgiving weekend. So we had a ton of family coming to wow. town. Um, now when was the last time you stayed with someone else, friends or family? Like no, no hotel. That doesn't count. Like it's gotta be friends or family. Yeah. You know, I, I think it was the last time I stayed with somebody at their house was at, when I came out to to see you guys. Oh yeah, yeah, I stayed here. Yeah, yeah I stayed at your house. guest in my house. Okay. Yeah. So, and my last time would have been also Thanksgiving weekend before I had the 24 people <laughs> at my house. I was at my in-law's house earlier that week. So let's talk about this. Let's kind of go through it. So the, the first thing, Matthew, let's talk a little bit about um, physical security. And, and if that term throws anybody a loop, I'm talking about doors getting locked and windows being locked and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, so... I don't know. Pick one, man. Do you want to talk first about, you know, you're hosting people or you're staying somewhere else? What are some considerations for physical security? Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, in your article, you you mentioned something that 
stuck with me because I do the same exact thing. And, it, and I don't know, it kind of freaks out some people when they come to visit, but locking the doors, even during the daytime, if, you know, my do- my exterior doors are always locked. Um, if somebody comes over, I let them in and then I lock the door. And, and like, sometimes, you know, somebody's coming over like a, you know, repairman or something, he's coming over and I lock the door. I, I don't know if he thinks I like have a well in the basement and I'm pulling out lotion <laughs> stuff, you know, like I'm gonna trap him, but I'm like, oh, I just, it's just a habit. I normally just kind of you know, laugh about it. Hey, it's just a habit. I, I lock the doors all the time. Um, but you know, it is something, it's a simple thing like that, a habit that you get into because I know a lot of people that their habit is, you know, I grew up and we never locked the doors. You know, we had our windows were open at night and we left the doors open and, you know, um, and so it is a habit. And obviously that's the first layer of defense is a locked door, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that was something that I pulled out that I thought, you know, maybe I'm not so crazy that I locked the doors. Yeah. You know, I let the dogs out. I locked the door. I let the dogs back in. I locked the door. Like it's mm-hmm. real, it's real straightforward. Uh, it's a simple thing. And, and it does change though. Like when I got people staying here, you know, friends and family, they, they willy nilly come, right. They, they got their stuff out in the car. They, Oh, I forgot the person, in the car. Oh, my cell phone. Oh, my charger is out. In the car. And they're constantly going out to the car and coming back, or they're going to run to the gas station and get the thing that they have to have that I don't have in my house. <laughs> right. Um, Mountain Dew or something, and and uh, yeah, or or they they let themselves in the backyard, or they they let the dog out, or they let the dog in, mm-hmm. and inevitably, I just constantly am in a state of like craziness because I got all these unlocked doors. <laughs> like, what's wrong with these people? Yeah, and and it, it is difficult. So I mean, and you have a couple options. I mean, you can talk to your, talk to your guests and things like that. And I I do, I pick and choose like when I'm going to say that, you know, if it's my family and they're going to be there for a while going in and out, I I tell them, you know, Hey, if you can just lock the door, you know, it's just a safety thing. I like, uh, you know, we don't, we don't live in a terrible part of town, but you know, I always just like to lock my doors. Um, and, but it, it, you know, I don't often host people, a, a lot of people that, you know, just friends and stuff, they're mostly family. And so I, I think it could, you know, something like that might be problematic if it's just, you know, a couple people that are coming over, you're having like a, you know, Super Bowl party maybe, and you have a bunch of people and they're all going in and out. Maybe if they're smokers and they're going in and out, you know, you don't want them smoking in your house or something. So, um, it, it can, it be, it, I, yeah, it yeah. could be a, an ongoing battle throughout the whole time. Now here, here I guess here'd be my main takeaway. And that would be that my normal routine at night, like I, before I go to bed at night, I do not go check every window in the house. Because they're all locked. Right. Yep. <laughs> like, because in my house and my family, the people who live here all the time, we know that when you open a window, you close it and lock it. <laughs> and so I guess this would be the takeaway, guys. If you have, if you're hosting people, friends or family, um, you, at least before you go to bed at night, like when, when the risk levels go higher because of time of day, you need to do a more thorough check. You, need, you actually do need to go check all the windows. You actually do need to go check all the doors, make sure everything's closed, make sure everything's locked. And so I think that's probably like the biggest takeaway is just you might you might have to change your routine a little bit uh, in order to just double check things. And then to your point, Matthew, pick your battles as far as, you know, communicating to others what your what your you know physical security protocols might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it also, as, as you're talking about physical security, um, thinking about things like lighting, exterior lighting. 
you know, around your home or overgrown bushes and things like that. Um, I put, you know, I changed out all my outside lights with hal- or with the uh, LED bulbs because mm-hmm. they use like zero energy and I put all my outdoor lights on uh, a timer. So my lights are all, they run all night. They come on at dusk, they go off, you know, uh, when the sun comes up and I always have light out uh, around my house because that's, that's a huge deterrent for, for somebody wishing to do you, do you harm or break in your home. Yep. Yep. And so when, yeah, I think it's always a good, those things are good all the time. But when, when you have guests coming over, like uh, uh, Paulson's, we are garage people. We park our cars in the garage. Like I know that's novel to a lot of my people I talk to. Like they don't understand the concept. They think a garage is for storage or welding or something. Bones. I don't know. But, yeah. But for Paulson's, we, we park our vehicles in a garage. So it's not normal to have uh, cars parked in our driveway or on the street in front of our house. Like that's not are part of our normal operation. So, so yeah, when I have people coming over, I do, I do double check all the exterior lights. I, I might trim a bush that needs to be trimmed. And you know, I should do that anyway, right? I should make sure all my lights are working. I should make sure that all my, my landscaping is trimmed back, but all those normal physical security things, uh, I, I, you know, that's something that's good to check before you have people coming over. Cause yeah, they are going to park in the driveway. Their cars are going to be sitting out there all night. And so it, it, you know, going above and beyond to just make sure everything's in order is a good idea. Yeah, for sure. I, I even, you know, um, just recently I installed some some of those ring cameras and I got a ring doorbell. And so I put about four or five cameras around my home. Um, and so I realized even though they have night vision, uh, you know, the the um, infrared is and it's pretty good. It's actually pretty surprisingly well for, you know, a budget camera. Um but I notice in my front yard where I have the most lights, um, those cameras, I mean, I can just see, I can see into my, you know, neighbor's driveway. Um, and so lighting is so huge. It's, it's just so huge. Um, just being able to see things, keeping people away from your home. So get yep. some, get some, and the LEDs are cheap. I mean, you can, it's not like you're going to run up your electricity bill, even mono all night. No, no, that's, it's not a big deal. I, I also have timers and all my exterior lights, they come on and, the only problem I have with those is I can't, I have to reprogram them several times a year because, right. of, because like right now it's December or January, I guess. Sorry. And, uh, it's dark at like 5 PM. Yeah. You know? So yeah. <laughs> July it's like, doesn't get dark till like nine. Same battle. <laughs> Living in Alaska would suck. Okay. Right. So what about like you're traveling? So Matthew, like, you know, you're staying with somebody else when it comes to physical security, I think, the only thing I would add is just, Hey, before I go to bed, I might go check all the doors or I might just say, Hey, do you lock all your, you know, do you lock your doors at night or, you know, or, you know, before, maybe before I go down to the guest room or whatever it might be, I might just say, Hey, did, did you already lock all the doors? It's, it's sorry. It's just habit. You know, I just, I just always ask, I got to check or whatever. And I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think that's an insult to anybody. No, not at all. As long as, I mean, as long as you, 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 talk to people in a, you know, and if, if it's your family, they're having you there. Luckily, hopefully they like you enough to, you know, have a conversation about that and not take offense. But yeah, I mean, I I've done that where, when I've stayed at my sister's house, um, you know, Hey, do, do you guys, do you guys leave this door open? Cause they have dogs. They let them in and out all night. And she's like, Oh, you know, uh, uh, you know, so-and-so will be up at night. He, he, he normally works and this and that at night. So he, he might be in and out, but and so I kind of get a get an idea of like who's going to be up if I hear noises at night, like you know. So so I get an idea of like, are is it normal to have people walking around your house at night? Because sometimes you know I know at my house when we go to sleep, pretty much everybody goes to sleep. 
Um, but at my sister's house, sometimes like her husband's up working at night and he might be up and, and everybody else is asleep. So, it, you know, it kind of helps to know, know their plans like that. Yeah, so let's, let's kind of actually transition to kind of that security kind of protocol kind of conversation, right? Uh, because, yeah, you bring up a good point. And, you know, whether I'm at someone else's home or someone else is in my home, I generally assume that I hear something in the middle of the night, it's something wrong. You right. know, like the, I, got, I got two young kids. They're not running around at 3 a.m. <laughs> I mean, if they wake up at 3 a.m., they're going right to my room and they're saying, mm-hmm. Mom, Dad, and they're <laughs> blurting something out about they're hungry or thirsty or don't feel good or whatever. Uh, they're not going downstairs and helping themselves to a drink. I mean, when I get teenagers, maybe that'll change. But uh, so, yeah, it, that changes now. I got seven people staying in my house or I'm at someone else's home. I don't know what their normal routines are because I failed to ask or whatever. I wake up in the middle of the night. I hear the bump. It's like, oh, crap. Like, what, what is that? Is this someone who's staying with me? Is this, is this not someone who's staying with me? Uh, or is that, you know, I'm staying with so-and-so. Is, you know, do they, are, is this normal? Like, what's going on? So, yeah, those kind of conversations are really good. Uh, and if, if in the case of someone staying with me, it's real easy. I'd say, hey, just so you know, like when we when we go to bed, we lock all the doors, we keep them locked. If for whatever reason you got to get up and leave in the middle of the night, uh, if you'll let me know, if you'll wake me up, if you'll text me, if you'll give me some sort of indication that you got to leave, that you left or that you need to leave, that'd be great. That'd be really helpful. Um, if you get up for any reason, you know, going to the bathroom or use, you know, getting something from the kitchen, if you'll turn lights on, I always ask that. If you'll just turn the light on, don't do it in the dark. Um, that's, that, that'll help me know that, you know, that it's, that it's, it's, it's normal that it's you. If whatever reason I I feel like I got to investigate the sound or whatever, the light will be on. I'll be able to see you really easily and quickly. Um, that, that'd be great. I appreciate it. So those are some of the things that, that I often will tell people. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think maybe somebody's listening and they're like, uh, that's a little bit over extreme, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, if you think about how many people, you know, how often we hear stories of, mother shoots, you know, daughter who came home in the middle of the night or father shoots, you know, wife who he mistakenly believed was an intruder. And these are people that live with each other and kind of know their routines and stuff. So I I don't think it's too much just to kind of, you know, get, get an overview. It's not like you have to go through, um, you know, their, their whole personal lives, but, but just getting an idea of like, what's going on because the last thing you want to do is not ask the question that could have saved somebody's life or, yeah. you know, so it, you know, those kind of, it, it, I mean, would it be the first time that any of us wake up and wake up and kind of forget something? We forget where we are or we forget that we have guests over, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you're, you're delirious when you wake up middle of the night out of a REM cycle or something. And so you, you might hear the noise and immediately cl- you know, click into a response plan without stopping and say, Oh, wait, my sister and her six children are here right now. Exactly. The odds are pretty high. It's one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we got to tweak some of those things and, and, and think about it. No, if you, if you, let's talk about security systems. Uh, if you have a security system, you're hosting someone at your home, um, it might be prudent, and this is on a case-by-case basis, but just to, to say it out loud, I think it might be prudent to provide the code or instructions and a code of how to disarm or alarm. Hey, if you have to leave during the middle of the night or whatever, this is, this is the code. This is how you punch it in. This is what you, what you push so that you don't set the alarm off. And when you come back in, make sure you do this, this, and this to, to rearm it. Uh, thank you very much. I, I think that's also something to be worth considering. And if I'm staying somewhere else as an alarm system, I, I, you know, I might ask, uh, I mean, I don't generally wake up in the middle of the night and need to go anywhere. So I'm not worried about it, but I might say, Hey, you guys have an alarm system. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so is it armed during the day or just at night? Or like, do I need to know anything? And just saying something like that is, is simple, very innocent. And they're going to tell me if I need to know something and, and we're good. We'll move on. 
Yeah, without a doubt, because I, I have um, in my home, I have some motion sensors and some like window and door sensors, depending on where they are. And I don't know, I can't tell you how many times my parents, no matter how, how many times I tell them, you know, hey, we have a... It, it, I, we have an alarm system. You know, you, if you go in this in, in the basement area, there's motion sensors down there. Just turn it off before you go down there. Don't open this window past this amount be, at night because because my dad likes to open up the window. It doesn't matter if it's 20 degrees outside. He likes to sleep with the window open. And so I'm, and so there's a contact sensor, right? And so if he opens the window a certain distance, it goes off and he's setting them up. So yeah, it definitely, definitely helps to make sure that they understand how the system works and, and, and what's going on with it. Yeah. Especially, yeah. especially if it's monitored by the police, if it's just like a, you know, one of those systems that you monitor yourself, that's one thing. But if you're giving false, false alarms to the police, like, you know, three days in a row, it's not going to be, they're not going to be happy. Well, not only are you not going to be happy, but you know, you create a um, you know the guy who called the guy who screamed. What is the boy who screamed wolf? Boy who cried wolf. Yes, yeah, you become the boy who cried wolf. You know, mm-hmm. and eventually they stop paying attention. All right, let's move on to the thing that I think is probably the the biggest, or at least I would say like the the thing people tend to think the least about in this context, and that is about secure storage. Yeah. So Matthew, you got people coming over. Um, some most of the time, their family. You probably have some indication. You know, you probably know if they're bringing a gun with them or not. Uh, but you know, what what are some things you think through there? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I most of my family does not uh, carry a firearm with them all the time. Some of them do. I actually recently, well, not too long ago, had uh, my cousin came into town and we we're going to go shooting and stuff, and so he brought like. I don't know, 17 different guns and he had all kinds of, all kinds of stuff. But, you know, I was like, when he got there, I was like, Hey, you know, um, here's my safe. These are the safes. You can put your guns in here. I don't, you know, I didn't, he, he obviously, he didn't come with a safe that could hold 17 guns. Right. So he had them in various cases and stuff. So I said, yeah, just, you know, just put them up. Um, and I asked him, I said, Hey, do you have a loaded gun? Do you, you know, are you carrying? He's like, yeah. And I said, okay, well, um, here I had a little, you know, like a little one gun safe. And I was like, you can put this in at night. Um, just because, you know, your protocol, you know what you're doing with your guns, right? Like whatever your specific protocol is based on your lifestyle with the amount of people that are in your home or kids or whatnot, you might have, you might lock your gun up at night. You might have it, you know, in a quick access holster that's tucked by the bed or something, depending on how, you know, uh, what you carry and in your specific situation. Um, in my house, since I have a six-year-old daughter, all my guns at night are locked up. Um, during the day, if it's not on me, it's in a quick access safe somewhere in the house. I have a couple stage. Um, but yeah, so getting an idea of, hey, if you're going to have a gun, providing them some sort of way to safely store it um, is definitely something that, you know, is just, it's just a reasonable thing, re- reasonable thing to do. Yep. Yep. I'm with you. I have a guest room. You've stayed in my guest room. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like having a guest room. In fact, yeah. my wife wants to downsize and I'm like, Oh, but we still have to have a guest room. Right. Anyway. So I have a guest room and in that guest room. I keep a little tiny single at handgun, you know, kind of clamshell style safe in one of the nightstand drawers. Mm-hmm. And depending on who's over, I might point it out. I'm like, Hey, here's the room. Here's the bathroom. Here's the towels. Oh, and here's a little safe uh, if you need to lock anything up. And I I can leave it just like that. Now, if I have a strong preference, if I want them to lock up the gun, I'm going to say so, right? I'm going to say, hey, I would, you know, during the night, I would really appreciate it if you brought a firearm that you lock it up. We don't, we don't leave 
uh, unsecured firearms out in this house. That's our that's our operate. That's how we operate. Um, so you, if you have a specific concern or desire, you need to express as much. But I think it's it's a courtesy to provide the tool. Um, now let's talk about traveling elsewhere. So. You know, I'm going to, uh, most recently, the last time, actually, I just realized the last time I stayed somewhere was not Thanksgiving with my in-laws. It was actually at my parents' house. Riley and I had to hook up the trailer and cruise over to Utah to pick up all of our product out of our old warehouse and bring it back to Colorado. And while we were there, I convinced Riley we could save money uh, from a hotel and just stay at my parents' house. And somehow Riley was good with that. <laughs> so Riley got the guest room and I slept on the couch, but I brought a little safe with me. And I just put it in my in my in my luggage. I, I keep a little safe in you know near my luggage in, in a closet. And I know when I go on a trip, I grab the luggage and I grab that safe. And it's also just a little clamshell safe, same style as the one I keep in my truck. And it's a really easy way to do it. I just throw the luggage because if I'm flying, great, I'm gonna need it anyway in order to right. secure the firearm in, in the checked luggage. If I'm not flying, who cares? Like put it in the luggage anyway. And where I get, when I get where I'm going, I don't have to rely on whoever's hosting me to provide a secure storage system. Uh, I, I just bring my own. And so Riley and I shared one. I remember we got there and I was like, hey, I got a safe right here. And uh, he says something like, well, do your parents care if we lock on? I'm like, I, I don't know. I've never asked, but we're going to lock up the guns because why not? You know, and, and he's like, okay, deal. You know, and so we both put both our guns in the same little safe. So that's how I operate. I bring a safe with me. When I go to my in-laws, they don't have a gun safe. They, they, they don't have one to lend me even if they thought it was a good courtesy. <laughs> so they'd have to buy one. So I bring one with me mm. and it's not secured. I don't like drill holes into the nightstand and, you know, <laughs> drop it in and it's like, sweet, you know, no one's hauling this out. But I, I bring one with me just to have a simple place to lock it up at night. Yeah, totally reasonable. And, you know, and, and there's, th- that that's if you're going to stay you know, extended period of time, you know, because you have to know what am I going to do with my gun when I take it off um, at night. But what about like, you know, when, if you go, do you have any family that you go to visit their homes and they're just like totally anti-gun? I mean, I do. I have a couple, you know, relatives um, that I go over their home and they just, they don't like guns. And they, they've expressed a feeling that, um, you know, when they come over to my home, they have kids and and when they bring their kids over and we've, I've talked about this. I even talked to them before they brought it up to me because I know that they're kind of anti-gun. Um, but I, you know, I explain to them, Hey, when your kids are here, you you can rest assured because I lock up every single gun and I, you know, I tell them my protocol and, and, and everything like that. So they have, uh, a peace of mind. But when I go over to their home, um, it's a little bit different story because now I'm in their home. So, you know, do you have any, any relatives that you have to work with? Mm. No, I don't think I have anyone who would like be upset with me that I brought a gun into their home. I I don't think I have any anti-gun relatives. I I definitely Mm. have some that are, that are neutral or, um, you know, moderate, but I don't have anyone that's really against. Uh, But, you know, I just, I just bring the safe and I don't, I don't, I just don't talk. I mean, if they don't ask, I'm not saying anything. And at night when I, when I go to sleep, I'm going to get out the little safe I brought. I'm going to lock it up. And if that way, if, if it comes up, if they ask, I'll say, hey, I locked I locked up the gun at night. I brought my own gun safe with me. Yeah. So you wouldn't have to worry about it. Uh, and that's that's how we move on. Um, and I'll, I'll add to like some of you might say, well, when I go over to so-and-so's house and they're anti-gun, I just lock it up in the car. Well, that's not a horrible idea if you have a good secure way to lock a firearm in a vehicle. I mean, we could have a whole separate podcast episode about uh, secure firearm storage in a vehicle. I think I wrote something about that once. 
Um, and that, that's fine, but it's always preferable to not leave things in a vehicle, especially if they're parked on the street or parked in the driveway all night long. That's a smash and grab, horrible situation to have happen. So if, if possible, br- you know, bring, that, bring that safe that's in the vehicle into the house. The safe I keep in my vehicle is tethered on a security cable to like the seat of the truck, uh, the passenger seat. And so it's a very simple thing for me to open the safe, remove the security cable, and just bring that in with me wherever I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a really good, good idea. And like you said, you can also use that safe. It's not like you have to bolt it to the car. I mean, obviously, if you bolted it something somehow to the inside of the uh, frame of the car or something, um, it, you know, it'd be more secure, but it's something that you can use traveling, you know, TSA requires you to lock it up, you can use it there, you can use it in your car. Um, you know, for, for me, I run into that problem. And, and I have a safe like that just because um, when I go over to, to one of my relatives home, they're, they're not so much anti-gun, but they don't feel comfortable around guns. And I, I conceal carry, I don't open carry obviously, but, um, but for me, they've, they've sort of insinuated that they don't want me to bring a gun into their home, even if it's on me. So what I do is, and, and I haven't stayed over there, but you know, when I go over there for, you know, a family dinner or something, I do lock it up in my, in my car, um, in a safe, just like you said, tethered to the, you know, around the, the, um, seat of the car. And, and that way, you know, it's just out of courtesy. I w- would much rather carry it and just say, you know, they're not going to know what they don't know won't hurt them. Um, but you know, at the same time, uh, their family members are, you know, and, and, and I like to respect their, their you know, their home. And so uh, if I were to spend the night, I definitely would, it would be a different protocol. Just like you said, bring the safe in, say, Hey, these are my two options. I'd rather not leave it out. So somebody can smash and grab my, my gun. And, and, and and I'm sure that they'd be totally fine with that. But, um, just, you know, I, I think more times than not, you just, if you talk it out, if you just explain why you don't want to leave the gun in the car, a lot of people, um, especially if you have a, a, a gun safe, will will realize that you're being safe. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I got one last thought on this topic and then maybe you'll have some other ones too. And based on our internal research, we, we did a study Oh, geez. Now was it 26, 27? I think 2017, we did the survey. Mm-hmm. We had like 7,000 or some ridiculous number of people respond to the survey. And it was all about how they, how they keep their gun at night. And I was surprised. I don't remember, Matthew, uh, how, how you reacted, but I was really surprised by the percentage of our audience, podcast listeners, blog readers, customers, et cetera, who report that they do not lock up their guns at night. Yeah, I but was they, shocked. Yeah, it, it, like we're talking, guys, like 80%. Um, and, and even if we talk about people who have young children in their home, like people who have children under the age of 10 in the home, 54% still don't lock up their gun at night. Uh, and they keep it near the bed, but not locked up, right? Just sitting on, I, I, in my mind, I see it just sitting on a nightstand or maybe it's in the drawer of a nightstand or something. And this podcast episode is not where we're going to you know, discuss that. We actually did talk about it in another episode. You can go listen to that. But let's say you're that person. You're among the 80-something percent of people who don't lock up your gun at night. You stick it on the nightstand or in a drawer. Maybe you have like a holster that hangs on the bed or it's attached to a magnet behind the nightstand. I don't know, whatever it is, but it's not locked up. Now you have people at your home, guests, you know, the grandkids, the cousins, the, the brother and his family, whatever it is. I think it's probably a good idea to reconsider the, 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 the idea for now, like the, during that time, while they're here, should I change what I do, my protocol? 
Yeah, I mean, protocols, I mean, some people get so so one mind, one-sided, you know, in like a doctrinal approach to something like I'm uh, this is this is what I do every time and I'm not going to change it regardless of what, but those people their life is changing and sometimes you have to adapt to different scenarios, right? I mean, like if you're in a different person's home, if you have other people in your home. So, I I, I definitely think um if if you live by yourself and you choose to, or even if you don't live by yourself and you choose to keep that gun, you know, not locked up at night, um, you should at least reconsider, at least at least reweigh the pros and the cons of why you keep it out. And if you know, because we're always when we're making decisions, at least I do, especially ones that could result in somebody's death. I I'm always trying to play. You know, what are the pros and cons of me doing this? Like, what are the pros of me leaving it out versus the cons? Um, you know, there are definite pros of having it out and there are definite cons too. So you kind of weigh it out in, in whichever way it tips. And you might be, at, you know, when nobody's in your home or when it's just your family, you're, you weigh it out and you say, hey, I'm keeping it out. That's, that's my, my, you know, assessment. And then if you have family coming over or guests coming over and they're going to be spending the night and staying, um, you might reevaluate that and say, okay, now let me reevaluate it. Now I have other people, I have other kids. I don't know their level of guns training. Um, and so maybe, maybe that swings the pendulum a little bit over the scale a little bit over. And now you lock it up um, and you go into a protocol that you know, that you've already practiced getting that gun out of a safe or you have it, you know, where is it staged? So I don't think it's necessarily um, uh, a bad idea to have a couple different protocols based on, you know, the situation that that, that you're in. I, I agree hundred percent. And I think that what would be unfortunate is if you had a bunch of people come over to the house and you're like, you know what, based on the current circumstance, I think it is wise for me to now to lock up my gun while they're here. And you don't even own a gun safe for that. You're like, oh, well, I, I guess I can't because I don't have the tool. Right. So I, I do think that you do need to be thinking in, in advance and saying, okay, are, are there situations that might arise in which, it, you know, as, as Matthew says, the pendulum is going to swing and I'm going to determine that I'm going to store my firearm or secure my firearm differently than I normally do. And if those situations could arise, when they do arise, do I have the adequate tools to, to execute on that. And if you don't, you know, you need to acquire those now uh, so that that day doesn't come and you're not like, oh crap, I, I guess I have no choice. I'm just going to put it in the drawer or right. unload it or do something else that's even worse. Yeah. And I, and I think that's kind of why some people um, get so, you know, one, one-minded or single-minded on, on a topic because they've never looked at other options out there. Like if you just got a gun and you have that cable lock and you're thinking, if I use this cable lock, this gun is pretty much useless for, you know, three minutes until I, you know, fiddle around with this thing and get it out of the chamber and all this stuff. Um, but if, if somebody showed you all the different, you know, high speed, quick access safes, you might be like, oh, wow, you know what? That actually makes sense. Like I can, I can, I can live with that. I mean, the extra three seconds it takes me to type, type that in, I'm, I think I'm good with that, you know, based on my situation or based on, you know, um, who's in the home. And so I think, especially like you said, look, look out there and see the different options that are out there and how you can stage things. So when that comes up, you do actually have a a, a legitimate protocol, secondary protocol for your Mm -hmm. home. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, I know because I've done this, the, the study, the research, and you can go watch my video. It's quite entertaining <laughs> watching me jump out of bed repeatedly, but um, it, it costs me 
it delays my response time 1.51 seconds to have the gun in, in the quality, quick access, safe with three-digit combination versus it just sitting atop my nightstand. So one and a half seconds, that's what it cost me. Now, to me, that's worth it all the time based on my own decision, my own priorities, my own situation. For you, you might say, well, most of the time, I'm happy to save the one and a half seconds and just set my gun, set my gun on my nightstand. That's fine. Like If that's the decision you've made, uh, I don't think me and Matthew are trying to pass any judgment. Um, what we are trying to say is, well, a situation might occur when you're hosting someone else in your home where you need to make a change. And if you mm-hmm. do decide you need to make the change, do you have the tool available? Are you prepared to do that? Or are you going to say, well, it would be better, you know, given that these people are over at my house right now, if I did X, Y, Z, but I, I don't even have the safe. So I guess it's not an option. Yeah. And, and you know, I'll, I'll give you a little personal story that uh, it sticks with me to this day. And I don't, you know, it's one of those stories that I don't remember how young I was. Like I would, I know I was, or how old I was. I was really young. And I, I, I talked to my parents about this um, every once in a while, but I remember being a super, like super young and going over to my uncle's house and he was having, you know, a bunch of family over. And, uh, I went into his, his bedroom and on his dresser, no, no kidding was a gun. And I remember, um, looking at it and thinking like, you know, you know, it's a real gun. Cause like I played with toy guns as a growing up and I knew it wasn't a toy. And I remember going out to my mom and being like, Hey, you know, um, so-and-so had, you know, I saw his gun and she's like, what? And she was like, you know, she's hover, one of those hover moms that was like always protecting me, you know? And so she's like, what? And she chewed my uncle's, you know, butt right there. Like, I can't believe you left your gun out while, you know, these kids, and so, you know, it, it might not just be at night. It might be if you don't carry it while you're in your home and you don't have a safe, where do you put it, you know, where your ki- your kids or your guest kids aren't going to find it? I mean, yeah, I know a lot of people put it in the shoebox, stuff it in the, in the you know, in the closet and everything like that. But wouldn't it just make sense to, to pick up like a $20, $30 safe and just be, have the peace of mind to know that, you know, that gun is totally, totally, you know, not accessible. Um, but yet it is accessible if you need it pretty relatively quick. I mean, I know people that say, well, just take it apart, you know, take, take the barrel out or take this out and separate it. And then even if they find it, but the point is, is if you need that firearm, God forbid you would need that firearm, right? I, I think we covered a story not too long ago where there was a it was a party where somebody actually ended up using force to defend somebody. They used your firearm to to defend. I think uh, it was like another member of the party or something like that. But I mean, God forbid you're having a party and you're like, okay, I don't have a say, so I'll take my gun apart. And uh, while they're there, and then when they leave, I'll put it back together. And then during the party, something horrific happens and somebody, you know, comes in, tries to break up your party, uh, violence style, and you need to use your firearm. Now you're going in there trying to find the barrel and the, you know, the, it's, it's just not an ideal situation. So planning ahead is definitely, I think with this part is just evaluating what are the different things you might need, um, to, to be reason to, to, to be responsible with, with other people in the house. Yep. And along, along those lines, and this, this might be a final thought, uh, I think that if you do change something about your normal routine, whether it's, you know, you've made a change because you're hosting someone, so you've decided I'm going to lock it up like this when I normally don't. Or like in my case, when I travel, uh, the gun safe that I use when I travel, that I lock up that gun when I'm at my in-laws or I'm at my parents, whatever it might be, that's a different style of gun safe than the one that's on my nightstand mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. So it opens differently. So yes. anytime you make a change, 
just make sure that you get some fresh, you know, repeat uh, practice, you know, uh, repetitions of opening that system and accessing your gun. Uh, because, you know, while we might make a change, we still want to be as prepared as possible to respond to a, to a situation, right? So uh, that, that, that's important too. Anything that we change, let's make sure that, you know, it's no different than if I'm carrying a different gun today or in a different holster where I'm putting it in a different position on the body. I need to just do some quick repetitions to make sure that my, my most fresh muscle memory is with the way it's currently being stowed or it needs to be accessed. Yeah, really good point. Especially, you know, since you since you're in when you're moving around and you wake up. I, I mean, I've woke up even when I was at your house. I woke up in the middle of the night. And I'm like, for a second, I'm like, where the heck am I? You know, you, you don't recognize where you are. So that coupled with a different safe, coupled with you know, it's not normally where you are, where you put it. Um, it could really, it could really mess with you and have you doing things that like you really don't understand why you're. You're, you're acting that way. So um, definitely, definitely a good point about, you know, re-acclimating yourself to, to your surroundings and, and how you're, you're getting to your gun and things like that. Yeah, this, this might be the third time I've said this. So if so, I apologize, but I think I have one last point. Because <laughs> uh, it just occurred to me as you were talking about that, it's a flashlight. You know, yeah. what really sucks is when I remember to grab that little gun safe to take with me because I'm going to stay at someone else's house, but I forget to grab my flashlight off the nightstand or get a different flashlight that I can take with me. Cause when you are in a new place in a fresh place and the lighting situation is what it is, or you don't remember where objects are, you don't have the muscle memory for where the light switches are or for where that chair is in that room that you're going to run over, man, you're going to want to have a flashlight. And when you wake up and you're like, wait, where am I? You better be reaching for a good flashlight um, along, along with potentially a firearm. So anyway, make sure you pack the light too. For sure. And that's a really good point. All right, guys, I think that's it from Matthew and I on hosting and staying with friends and family as a responsible gun owner. A reminder that this episode is brought to you by the Tenacore Velo. I already forgot again. Velo. Velo. Oh, the Velo. <laughs> Tenacore Velo Appendix IWB holster and by Barrel Block. You can learn more about the Tenacore holster at concealcarry.com forward slash Tenacore. And you can learn more about Barrel Block by. I don't know. It's probably concealedcarry.com forward slash barrel block, but just go to our website and click on shop. And for $12.99 plus shipping, you can be a much smarter, wiser, responsible gun owner. And you can get better quality dry fire training done. Uh, thanks, everyone. Uh, when Riley gets back, make sure you send him emails and say you prefer it when me and Matthew do the podcast. Until then, remember to train right, train off, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. Reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.